When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is the Talking Tactics Podcast. My name's Daniel. Carl's out. Have hope is out. But once again, we got our guy forwarded. What's up, man? I'm good, bro. Happy to be back home, man. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Um, remember, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all the Talking Tactics. If you're listening on Spotify, give us a follow. If you're on Apple Podcasts, subscribe. It's free. Leave us a five-star review. We'll read it on the show. Shout out to all the Patreons out there that have been rocking with us this year and this month. Me and Have Hope will figure out something in the week to give you guys Let's start with the game before we get started with the consequence. Ollie was under pressure when you were on a couple weeks ago. Even last week, we Half Hope and I were talking about, you know, do you think Ollie will get sacked? Obviously, they get beat 5-0 by Liverpool. The thought was, he's out. I was reading the reports and I saw last week that, ah, it doesn't seem as if there's a willingness to get rid of him quickly. And indeed, there wasn't. Although there were reports that with Spurs, Atalanta, and City coming up for United, the United brass didn't want to give a new manager a difficult run of fixtures. So they were going to let Ollie. <laughs> and this still might be a thing out there, but less likely now, which but we'll, we'll, we'll get to why that is. But they didn't want to give the new manager those, first, those three games to start with. So just give it to Ollie and we'll see what happens in, in a couple of weeks. I think after the, in an, after the international break or during the international break, he can go. However, that game maybe didn't go how people thought it would, or did it? Well, for me, it went kind of how I thought it would. Again, I did feel like Ollie was bound to make some changes. He had to make some sort of changes because the performances weren't good enough. And obviously the result. I think Liverpool was just a combination of how bad they performed against the likes of Everton, Aston Villa, and obviously Atlanta. But against Liverpool, they found a team that could actually punish them for all of their mistakes. So um, with Tottenham, they, of course, changed to the back three, or as you like to call it, a back five. Obviously, you've got in the experience of Cavani up front alongside Ronaldo with Bruno in the 10. It's quite hilarious seeing Oli change to the back five because this whole MO, being the Man United manager, has been about the DNA, about the attacking football, 4-4-2, fast wingers, like playing the United away, attack, 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 all of that jazz. And yet, time will meet these are better to a back three, back five, as we like to say. Again, that's a, back, that's a system that doesn't, that doesn't help the likes of a Rashford, a Greenwood, a Sancho. So it's, it's very interesting to see him do it. But again, to the game itself, they obviously looked a lot more short defensively. Obviously, they were helped by the fact that Human Son didn't have a shooting boost on. And again, they were helped by the individual brilliance of, of Cristiano Ronaldo. He scored an amazing goal. Um, again, a great ball from Bruno over the top to Ronaldo. And it was almost like a, a Robin Van Persie-esque finish with the way that he finished it, coming on the volley on his stronger foot and finishing it into the, the opposite corner. Beautiful technique. And obviously, that led them on their way. And then obviously, in the second half, Ronaldo has that beautiful assist to Cavani for the second goal. Yeah, I mean, the game went kind of how you'd expect it to go with United's players turn up, especially their big players. And obviously, Bruno turned up with a great, with a great assist for Ronaldo's goal. Ronaldo got goal and assist, Cavani scored. And then, yeah, they, they did what they, they should have been doing a long time ago, but they managed to get it and ultimately save Oli's job for at least another few days. Do you think that's enough? Or do you think he's still firmly in, the, in a hot seat? 
Um, for me, that was just the state of execution. For like, he needs to get a performance and a result at Atlanta. And I think even with Man City, I feel like just a moral victory in a loss will just about be enough. Like, if they can compete with Man City, maybe they lose on like an unlucky goal or a VAR decision or whatever, then they can kind of cling to that and say, you know what, yeah, that can happen against Man City. Mm. Obviously, you can also lose to Liverpool. That can happen, but not in the manner that they did. And I think that's what the, that's what really got the board thinking that is only the man for the job. And again, for people like myself, you, most fans, including Man United fans, they all know that Oli is enough to the job. We've been saying it for months, if not years at this point. And for the board, they were happy having him as scapegoat. Okay, that's why they gave him a new three-year deal in the summer when this is a manager that has literally no, like, he's not in demand at all. Like, if he was to leave the job tomorrow, other than Norwich, is anybody taking him in the league? Is Newcastle going to trust him with the billions that they have at their hands? No. Yeah, Are you so was... sure on Norwich? Are you so sure? I like Daniel Fogg, but I mean, <laughs> you know, just saying. Uh, it's like it's, it's, it's give and take, but that's that's the level we're talking about. I mean, I'm actually having a, you can have a debate about Daniel Fogg or Oli Gunnar Solskjaer. And I mean, I'm just like at nice. least at least he's got a team at the championship. Has Oli yeah. done that? No, they both got relegations, but Daniel Fogg's actually got two promotions now to the Premier League. So. That's what I'm saying. So, all right. Know. Droll MUFC is, uh, I don't know who this guy is, but he put out a funny tweet. It's been going around, so I'm going to read it. He said, so Ole used Conte's style to avoid being replaced by Conte and got someone sacked by using Conte's style, who is now being replaced by Conte. Wallahi, I've never seen such a bulletproof manager play 8D chess like that. What a genius. <laughs> <laughs> and then within that, now Nuno, who was under pressure himself, it was almost like whoever lost this match, if it was a draw, you both might go or you both might stay. Whoever wins is staying, whoever loses is going. It's one of those deals. But Nuno, who's, yes, he's the only African manager. Well, Patrick Vieira, you know, Pan-Africanism, you know, it counts. But um, actually, no, where was Patrick Vieira born? Was he born in Dakar? Hmm. Patrick I remember watching a documentary before and and heard about him growing up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, he was. He was born in Dakar, Senegal. He must have moved to France quite soon after that. Yeah. So there were two African managers in the Premier League. Now there's only one, unfortunately. Well, at least they Um, had the grace to wait till after Black History Month to sack himself. (laughs) You know, you can give Tottenham that at least. But uh, yeah, so so for 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 our purposes here on the podcast, that's pretty sad because you know we were we were rooting for you, you know the Tyra Banks be like we were root, we were all rooting for you. That's what it was. But it's a doomed situation at Spurs, man. And I got into a good conversation with um with the Spurs fan, I believe, and they were he was kind of running me through just like nah, Nuno just isn't it. Yeah, I feel you, but on the other hand, Kane wants to go. You can tell by his play that his heart's not really in it. And if Kane wants to go, you sell him and take the money. If you're not going to sell Kane and you're not going to give Nuno money, the only money that they spent, they spent money on Emerson from Barcelona and they bought Gil. I think he was at Sevilla or Valencia. And those were two replacements for Serge Aurier and Lamella. So it was two out, two in. Other than that, they really didn't spend any on anybody. So how can Nuno build the squad if he doesn't have the funds or isn't being given the funds? The easiest solution was sell the player that wants to go. If it's not 150, let's call it 100. That'll be fine. And Nuno could go get his Adama Traore. He could go maybe get 
maybe not Raul Jimenez himself, but somebody in that mold that more a striker that more fits his system. Because if you look at Harry Kane's pressing numbers, they're bad. He's like in the 12th percentile in the Premier League, where somebody like Raul Jimenez is like 48th, 52. And, and we, we talked about Daniel Fark. I think Timo Puki is like 91st percentile in pressures. It's crazy. <laughs> like I was, mm. I was looking. So which strikers are like the best in their pressing numbers? So it was like Puki. Another one up there was Obama Yang. And I was like, oh, that's odd. But Kane is like he's down near the bottom. Nuno can't play the same style that he was playing with Kane. You could make the argument the first three games that they played without Kane, if you remember, they looked decent. He was undercut, and it starts at board level, I would say. And look, you sack Mourinho before a cup final disgraceful they couldn't find a manager in the summer and they Nuno gracefully I think probably leaves Wolves and it's like okay this is a bigger opportunity at a bigger club but do you know what you're getting yourself into I don't think he did the right calculus on that one and now he's out it seems as if Antonio Conte's back suffer ball has returned to the Premier League (laughs) (laughs) so well first of all um I was shocked when I saw the news. I was very shocked when I saw the news because when you look at his totality, for me, he's only been there 17 games. And I understand, you know, going into the match, it was called El Sakiko or whatnot, you know. Again, the football, <laughs> don't get it wrong. Don't get me wrong, guys. The football Tottenham playing has been absolutely abject, disgraceful, honestly. Like, the first half against Arsenal, where they got Pam 3-0, like, that was some one of the, that was the worst performance I've ever seen in a North London derby ever. Like, it was terrible. And then obviously you look at Tottenham's performance just yesterday, or two days ago, rather. Again, that's against a Man United side that's just been pammed 5-0 in their own backyard. And yet you let them come to your ground and you don't even put the pressure on them. Like it's, Again, it was so it's shocking. Don't get me wrong. Nuno's form with them has been shocking, even though they are only four points off top four. Just the whole ordeal of signing him late. Again, he was like their seventh choice at that point. Didn't really get a chance to get his signings. Um, like you said, they only brought in Emerson to replace Aurier, Brian Gill to replace Lamella. They also did spend, I believe, $45 million on Christian Romero, which by all accounts was a pretty decent signing at the time. I think he was voted. <laughs> he, was, um, he was actually voted um, centre-back or best centre-back in the Serie A last season for um, Atlanta. Pretty good oh, centre-back. Who did they buy? They bought some guy from Mets and then loaned him back. Do you remember the midfielder that I'm talking about? Chelsea were linked with him as well. And Liverpool. I forget who it was, but that Sar, his last name is Sar. I think those were the three purchases. Well, but then they obviously sent him back. But yeah, Romero was the other the other um, purchase that they made that added that added to the squad. Um, okay. Which I think is a decent signing. But again, with Gill and 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 Emerson, that's not really enough to get Tottenham to where whatever their goals are. Um, I thought it was actually interesting reading that, like Nuno, if he didn't make top six at the end of the season, they could sack him for free. So, I mean, that kind of said a lot about how they felt about the appointment in the first place. And I just felt like they would at least let him see out more of his tenure. But they're sacking him. And, you know, fair enough to a degree. I, I mean, again, I feel bad for Nuno. I do actually think he will be able to find a job elsewhere because he did do a really good job with Wolves. I think people are kind of, they kind of are tainted by the last year at Wolves, which was a bit stale and coming off of a season where he got to Europe. Um, obviously, they were still on that final season, but he got them promoted. But they're one of the best promoters that we've seen in the Premier League. Um, so he's done a good job there, and I feel like he will be able to find a good job somewhere else where he can get back properly by the board to be buy as many Portuguese wingers as he wants. Um, <laughs> but um, obviously, coming back to Tottenham, 
so like, wow, okay, I, I kind of respect the fact that they showed balls in a sense and they showed that they want to be a serious club and they got rid of the weeds now before they infested the whole garden. Now they're linked with, with Conte. Fabrizio Romano was tweeting the, the entire day about how Conte needed to come down to London. And I mean, let's just get out of the way. That's a big sign for Tottenham because their whole thing is about trying to give this image that they're one of the big clubs. And to do that, you do need a big manager. Yes, yeah. if you can get a smaller manager by name, you can do a great job, then that helps. But obviously, someone like Conte is going to help with bringing in the big names, essentially being the kind of character that can gift someone like a Harry Kane performance again. By that measurement, it is a good signing. And, you know, with Conte, maybe he goes to a back three. I feel like Tottenham have the players to make that system work. With Reguilon and Emerson, so Reguilon and Doherty as their wing-backs, that can work the back three of Romero, Sanchez, potentially Dyer, although he's awful. Um, <laughs> then a pivot of Ndombele and Hoiberg. That's decent. That's got promise. And then a front three of Son, Mora and Kane. That, that can work. That can work. Um, so, again, that, that aside, that, that can be a good signing. And maybe we can get onto the... Obviously, Conte joining a rival of Chelsea, what does that mean about his, his Chelsea legacy or whatever? But what I would just say about this 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 Tottenham board before we before at least I, I finish on this topic mm. is Gary Neville once said that Daniel Levy is the most shrewd businessman in the Premier League. Um, and I don't know why he said it. At the time, I thought that's a bit again. At the time, I thought it was a bit strange to say that, but I was like, okay, cool, whatever. <laughs> And if you look at how he conducted his business this 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 calendar year, mm. it's just inept. That's the only word I can use for it. It's just inept. I mean, you sack Mourinho before a cup final. Strange. You're gonna point Ryan Mason to, to to take that game one again. 27 year old guy. Obviously, he retired early because of a head injury. Um, but you point him with zero experience to go and face Pep Guardiola in a cup final. Like, where was the logic? And also, I didn't like the look of pointing him ahead of Lendy King, who has much more experience, that more time as a senior coach with a Tottenham team. Then you point this kid, Ryan Mason, over him. Weird look, but okay. Um, <laughs> then obviously, you get over to the summer. You get over to the summer, and then you're, you're like, you get Paolo Fonseca in, which is a good director of football, but then you don't get Conte in initially. And you chase around a million managers and then eventually land on Nuno. Mm. So my thing with this appointment of Conte now, we've just gone into the first of September, first of November. You couldn't have signed Conte three months earlier, when he would have had a chance of when to actually get his own players in. So what's changed in those three months for Conte as well? Because why is Conte joining now when he could have joined a few months ago? Is it more money? What's gone on there? So for me, it's just the business for Tottenham is awful. Like they're gonna have to now pay obviously a severance package to you. Nuno, obviously a signing on bonus for Conte now, like. I know they're going to send them on an 18-month deal. So, like, it's just it's just mad business from Tottenham. So, on one hand, I respect that they're getting in a top manager, which will help them in the short term. Obviously, long term, we'll, we obviously know how Conte deals. <laughs> especially with, <laughs> there, with, uh, there is no long term with, with Antonio Conte. So. I mean, that's the point. There might not be no long term. And we'll see in the short term if they can win an FA Cup or whatever. But, yeah. But, obviously, their business in general Tottenham is just very, yeah, leaves a lot to be desired. So, Arsenal have gone on a pretty good streak of, of late. What are your what are your thoughts on them? Like they're yeah. sixth now. They were they weren't last place, weren't they? They were battling out with Norwich. It was Daniel Frank yeah. and it was uh, yeah, they're in the sixth. So look, they got set up by the Premier League, okay? They played Brentford's away in their first big game in that new stadium or whatever it was. But they had to win that one because if they didn't, then it's immediately was it City first or Chelsea? Or was it Chelsea and then City? Yeah, Chelsea it's, then City. Chelsea then City. 
that's a setup. So you play Brentford, then you play European champions, English champions. If you don't beat Brentford, you're getting no points. So then everybody, and then the immediate international break. So now Arteta's getting sacked, Arsenal in crisis, burned down the the Emirates Stadium. Why did we leave Highbury? But look, Lampard's gone, and who was the other one? Oh, wait, wait, no, DT, DT, we're not doing that. We're not doing the Arteta Lampard. Just, we're not doing he that. He won. Arteta no, he won. didn't win. He won. He did not. Let me just explain here because I will he say was, a lot of he's positive He's the best things. of the three. He won. He, he won. No, he's he not. He on did him. not win. He did not win. <laughs> Oli was on the verge of being sacked because he was but not, literally though. on this. Uh, yeah, but I know he, he survived. Somehow he managed to survive, but he was on the verge of being sacked when he was he's level points. He's got nine lives. Arteta. Lampard did get the sack when he was, I believe, two points above Arteta at the time. Arteta isn't better than them because he's he survived. Arteta is literally like the flag point of failure. He is I the benchmark of I failure. I didn't say he was better. I said he won. You admit that you can be worse and still win. Chelsea have like two Champions Leagues <laughs> based on that. To a degree, <laughs> but what I would say is he done a better you job. You can be and worse would... and still win. And Arteta has won. He won. He beat them. He survived, but did he really win? Did he really yes. win though? Because for is me, Lampard done a better job with Chelsea ah. than Arteta has done with Arsenal. But uh, let me though, let's not even do that because I actually want to give Arsenal credit now because okay, I mean, let's give them credit now while they're on a winning streak because they're about to lose at some point. Arsenal <laughs> actually have a pretty decent team. Like their first eleven's nice. Like it looks good. Again, I have my question marks about Ben White, but he's good on the ball. Like he progresses the ball quite well from the back. Um, got Gabriel on there. I think he's. I think he's a very solid centre back. Um, I do like the the look of Tommy Yassi. I think he's a solid right back and a good fit for them. Partey, I think he's starting to look more like himself, like the Atletico party that we saw. Um, I think when Jaka comes back in, as much as he's maligned by much of the fan base, I do feel like he adds quite a bit with his passing range. Okay, just with this past race, now I think about it because he's not the most mobile and whatnot. But I'm trying to be positive here. Um, obviously, Emma Smith Rowe and Saka, I think that's the biggest positive that you have for for, for Arsenal. Again, Ramsdale? Ramsdale. I mean, that's another one. Again, he had an amazing game. Man of the match against Leicester. Like, yeah. Made a, a bunch of great saves. And I feel like with him, again, a lot of the negatives was the fact that he came at a point where again, Arsenal let go of Martinez for cheap, who went on to be yeah. one of the best goalkeepers in the league. And then he signed in Ramsdale, who's been relegated twice. Has some pretty terrible fail comps on Twitter, which can make the player look worse, <laughs> of course. But at the same time, they're funny to laugh at. And for Arsenal fans, they were like, Why are we sending this guy for 35 million? And we let go of Martinez, who on paper is better. For you know, it really didn't help million. was um, Copa America because Martinez yeah. bossed that whole tournament, especially with the penalties at the end. So mm. it's like, Yo, y'all let go of this guy, and y'all buying this guy for 30. Like, y'all business is horrible, but you know, a good keeper is yeah, a good keeper. So yeah, for real. But to be fair to Ramsdale, he's had a he's had a very good month. He's had a very good month. Um, I think he's also helped with the PR by saying that he he enjoys what curry goat. I think that was the one. Like, he likes to make <laughs> foods, and that certainly hit home with a large part of the Arsenal fan base. So he's he's got back on side. So fair play to him because you got to rate the PR, man. The game's a game. You got to play the PR. He man, said so. he. I, I think he said when he was he was somewhere, like one of the the host families he was with was Jamaican. So he used to eat, you know. Rice and peas and curry goat and jerk chicken or whatever it is. So, hey, it is what it is, man. Look, who, so, who does who doesn't like a good oxtail, huh? Oh, who who doesn't like a good rice and peas, huh? Eddie, nobody. There's it. nobody unless you're allergic. But there's no or a vegan. Um, you're getting me hungry, bro. It's too late for this. <laughs> it's late. It's late. You should be. You should have already eaten. It's good. It's good. Um, 
right. Yeah, no, it's looking positive for Arsenal. I will say, um, obviously they're a nicer set of fixtures, so we'll see what they can do. Again, it's I'm in a sense happy for Arteta because he he was got under a lot of pressure. A lot of pressure, so it's good to see that he's he made it through, man. Yeah, he's made it a through. Walker, man. He made it. You know, okay, but the big winners this week were Chelsea in the Premier League because City dropped points. They lost to Crystal Palace, and Liverpool were up two 0 against Brighton and conceded two. So, which game? Of course, yeah, I, I, you're gonna pick the City game because of Conor Gallagher, right? I was going to say, which game would you rather talk about? But I know you're going to pick the one where Gallagher scores. So go ahead. We can talk about City Palace. DT, come on, DT. You know me, DT. Come on. Not just Conor Gallagher, but also Mark Gahey, another Coburn <laughs> born superstar in the making. I mean, we got, there's only one place we can start. At the home Coburn. of the champions. La the home of the champions. And a battle between two. I'm going to say two great midfielders. One, you know, decent midfielder for Barcelona, Guardiola. He was decent. But then going up against one of the all-time great midfielders in Patrick Vieira. And it was a Vieira masterclass, for being real. It was it was a fantastic performance from Palace. And again, it's another manager that I'm very happy for because... Do you know the, the, Snoop season, Dogg, um, the Snoop Dogg meme where he's in court and he has the praying hands because he bust case? There was a mm. there was a there was a meme that was like Vieira's beating the black manager allegations and they had the Snoop meme in the case. I saw it earlier in the year with Mendy, so I was like, yeah, you know, it's a good time. It is, most definitely is. And again, a great time for Panthers because for most people they were people's pick to go down. Vieira was a manager pick to get relegated, but mm. they're slowly becoming one of for me, they're the mo- my most the most exciting team for me to watch in the league of like the non-big sides because again so many ballers like obviously Zaha who really explained well what the Palace are doing this season which is playing the ball well from the back which obviously Mark Gay adds a lot in that system and they're just more progressive of a signing they're getting the better the best out of their attacking players like again both Zaha Conor Gallagher um, Alise he was very Alise, well Alise he looked I mean, good that move he did for the goal the second goal just a brilliant yeah. counter attack and then the awareness did and thank Gallagher for the cutback so yeah, so many ballers. Obviously, they got Eze to come back. So, Ooh, so many ballers yeah. they got at, at Palace, man. So, again, a great result for them. Um, and I think one of those teams that are capable of getting those kind of results. They almost beat Arsenal away. But as good as Arsenal have been recently, they were just a minute away from losing that game at home for Palace. So, very happy and, for Palace. Fans. Any points you yeah. can get at the Etihad are good points. So, if Crystal Palace can get three away, that's fantastic for them. Um, Liverpool, that game was at Anfield, wasn't it? Yeah. Yep. And they two were 2-0. At, at Anfield. They had two goals marked off, though. One of them was a money handball, and there was another one that got chalked off. Um, mm. So it could have been three, but it wasn't. And Brighton did what Brighton seemed to be doing these days, which is, you know, picking up points. Do you rate Potter? I rate Potter highly. And I feel like Potter was one of the options that Tottenham should have went for in the summer. Mm. Again, Tottenham's, again, a part of why it's just such inept man. And net management from then Daniel Levy is they're screaming out about again the fans are screaming out that we want the Tottenham way of football, which I don't know what that is because they don't want trophies. But the Tottenham way of football is apparently about attacking and being on the front foot. Cool. Okay. So you want something like what Poch kind of gave them for a bit. But then you go on a point Mourinho oh, and man. then Mourinho's cousin in Nuno, who are both yeah. not pragmatic managers. Why not get Potter? He's right there. He's been playing really good football with Brighton. What and what? What is Antonio Conte except a Mourinho clone? Bro, I mean, <laughs> he just he follows him everywhere he goes. 
So <laughs> he gets sacked from Chelsea. Chelsea bring in the interim manager. Then they bring in Conte. Then he goes to Inter where Mourinho's already won troubles and this and that. Now mm. he's going to Spurs. There were talks that he was going to go to United. Like, oh, wherever Mourinho's been, I will go there and try to build upon whatever he's done or hasn't done. I didn't know Tottenham had like a Tottenham way. But those three, the last three, have not been it, whatever they think it is. So it's strange, it's strange business from them. And again, for yeah. me, someone like a Graham Potter, again, he, his value goes up every single by, by the month, it's going up by the month because he's getting a tune out of a Brighton team who, again, I just made the comparison with Palace having so many great attacking players and talents. With Brighton, I don't really see a collection of great individuals. I feel like Bissouma is head and shoulders above in that midfield. Obviously, Tariq Lamptey getting back to full fitness again. His counter-attack for, I believe, the second goal, where he absolutely destroyed Robertson. Oof, destroyed him. Again, he's a standout player in that team, but there's not many standout players, so I feel like, again, Graham Potter does, is doing an what's amazing the, job. What's the first goal from the dude from Zambia? Mwepu. Yeah, Mwepu, yes. Yeah, yeah his he goal... did not mean that. He, he did not mean that. I think it was a cross. Yeah. But then whenever I say, whenever I tell people Ronaldinho didn't mean it in the World Cup, people are like, nah, 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 he meant it. So, yeah. But that's Ronald. But that's Ronaldinho, though. <laughs> like, I like the word too, but that's Ronaldinho. So it's, it's exactly. It's, it's, it, okay, if it was Mwepudinho, like would he would it count? Like that's what I'm saying. <laughs> um, yeah, no, he meant it. He definitely meant because he's mm. Brazilian. But we gotta talk about it, though, DT. I mean, Liverpool. But if he's Zambian, I anyway. I mean, but okay, got, no, no, no. But I mean, we, we 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 have to get through this. the reasons why this is a big deal. Okay, City drop points. Liverpool drop points. It looked for a moment that Chelsea could just not break down Newcastle United. You correct me if I'm wrong, but St. James's Park has been a slight bogey ground for Chelsea in the past, especially in Mourinho days, maybe even times before. But they generally don't go there and win. And it kind of looked like it was going that way again. But you know what's, you know what's sick? Tuchel made a substitution. He took off Conte. And he took off, remind me, who came off with Conte? Ziyech. Ziyech. And he put on Loftus-Cheek and Barkley. And I was going to tweet at the moment. I, I had the tweet ready to send. And I was going to send it. I wasn't waiting. But in the moment where I was compiling my tweet, like, why would you take off Conte? How come you just can't play with the back four? A wing back scores. So then I just delete my tweet and just wait to see what happens next. Well, lucky for you, it's you were like, able it's to, just like, it's to, just you like, had it drafted, but I didn't post every, my, I actually every, posted my one. Every time I want to talk bad about, just look, the system is not working. Someone will do something. Chilwell will score. Alonzo will score. James will score. Chalobo will score. Just some defender will pop up with a goal that's like, he's going to do it next week again. This system is just going to keep going until the wheels fall off. But the wheels aren't falling off. If anything, it's just being cemented. They're like, nah, this is how Chelsea play now. So, yeah, I was about to tweet off some Tuchel slander. But then Reese James, I mean, he's got a hell of a left foot volley, half volley. Great goal, mm. man. Do you want your defenders scoring more than your attackers? No. <laughs> did, no. did you read what Chilwell said today? Yes. Tuchel, Tuchel wants his defenders to score and his attackers to defend. What? <laughs> it's taking a bit out of context. Yeah, that, that's like saying that's like, that's like, I want the kids to drive the school bus and the school bus drivers to ride in the. No, what? The attackers should be scoring goals. 
and the defender should be defending. But that this is like the plan, my master plan that nobody's ever seen before is we're gonna make the wingbacks. <sighs> Must I suffer? Do I have must do I have to? I mean, you don't have to use as you're not, you know, this isn't this isn't your team, you know, this is just a team ah. that you follow. This isn't, you know, you're not a we, you know, you, this isn't it's, our no, team. Is it? I don't speak French. Well, what I will say is, well, for a start, you had the fortunate ability to, to delete your draft. I posted straight away that once the subs are made, that why have we not taken off a wing back or center back? And then, of course, the wing back scores an absolute B. So I was getting heat for that. <laughs> that teacher proved me wrong again. And I'm like, for one, Tutor didn't prove me wrong by our scoring, our wingback scoring. I just want us to be more. Over doesn't easily take L's, bro. He'll 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 keep defending the point. Like you just take the L, man. Like he scored twice. Look, Reese James is my boy. That's that's my guy. Like for the time when I was following Huxley Boy in the academy, because there was a lot of hype around his name, and he was obviously balling out. Like Reese James stood out to me as a centre back actually at the time, and I thought his technique was was great. He was a short centre back, but he was dominant in the air. Dominating his jewels and again, I'm I'm a big fan of Reese James. And again, if we're going into a bit of a deeper topic of our wingbacks, Chelsea don't really have wingbacks. They have fullbacks playing that wingback. I was even criticizing Reese James in the week, talking about how I think he's great. I think technically he's he's amazing. And I look at his skill set compared to Trent Alexander Arnold, and I don't feel like Trent would Trent be should... a great wingback. Trent is a great wingback, but I also look at Reese James and I feel like you've got great passing technique. Technique. You, you've got great long shooting ability. Again, you showed it at Wigan when you scored an amazing goal. Um, what, like a couple of amazing goals for them from range. You scored an amazing goal, I believe, in Lampard's first game last season. Um, against Brighton away, away. He scored an amazing goal from 30 yards. So you've got great technique. But yet, we don't see that like expansive passing in the final third. We don't see him even dribbling past players. I remember a game against Man City at the end of last season at the Etihad where second half, he just took it to Mendy, ran past him three or four times and led to us winning the game. Like, we just don't see him being that expansive. So when I say these teams isn't doing enough going forward, that's not to say that he can't turn up in the box to score a worldie, which he did, score two worldies. You need more from your wingbacks because, again, your wingbacks aren't necessarily, their primary job isn't just to score you goals. That's why I don't like Alonso. Yes, he scores goals, but he's not fast. He doesn't dribble. He doesn't create for the attackers. And I feel like Reece James has the skill set to do more than that. But again, this isn't a day to, to criticize Reece James. It's just a day for me to, also, to generally be consistent, which I always have in my opinions. And to call a spade a spade and say that Reece James in the box was amazing. The goal, obviously, he put in a couple of good crosses in the first half, which was better. But again, the finish for that first goal, bro, like, mm. like there's very few strikers that could do that on their weaker foot. Like, that was an incredible finish. Honestly, amazing. And then, obviously, the second goal again. Sometimes you can see a ball come to, come to you and you see the goalkeeper's off the line, off his line. And sometimes you maybe strike the ball a bit safer. Reese James trusted his technique and struck through the ball and gave the keeper absolutely no chance. So, again, two amazing finishes. And I would have liked to have seen Jorginho give him the hat trick, you know, let him take that penalty. I was going to ask see, you. Yeah, I mean, we see Lionel Messi do that for Barcelona. We've seen, like, they're like, we saw Mbappe. In fact, we saw Jorginho's trying Mbappe to win a Ballon d'Or, man. He's, he doesn't care. So, he, he thinks. He thinks if he scores 20 penalties, they'll give it to him. <laughs> was it the classical? I think I saw Benzema take a free kick over Kroos. I was like, Ben, they're not going to give you the Ballon d'Or because you score. Well, actually, if you score a free kick against Barcelona, maybe that would be good in the highlight package. So I, I know what he was doing. But Tony mm. Kroos is better at set pieces than you. So let him take it. But I mean, um, didn't, the, didn't the voting for the Ballon d'Or close that two weeks ago? Like, 
you don't need to yeah. stack pad now. It's done. Like it's done. <laughs> like, just saying. Leave like, it. But um, that was disappointing because I would have loved. I mean, that would have been the first hat trick from a defender in Premier League history. So it would have been uh-huh. nice to see him get his moment. In twenty, how long has this thing been around? Thirty years. Twenty, yeah, almost thirty years. Yeah. No defender scored a hat trick ever. Hmm. That would have been history, but unfortunately, it wasn't to be. But what is to be is that Chelsea were top of the table, or sorry, extended their lead at the top of the table. And it's a good time to be a Chelsea fan because if we're being real, like we've had Wait. our criticisms of them this season. Uh, we can we can all see that it's not quite clicking because like you mentioned earlier, our defenders are scoring more goals than our attackers. Um in the attacking third, it's not quite flowing like we want it to be because with Liverpool we can see it's been clicking a lot this season. With Salah has been amazing, Marnie's been a good goal scoring form. Obviously with Man City with the abundance of attacking talent that they had, they've put in some incredible performances going forward, which Chelsea haven't quite matched, but Give credit to Chelsea for being consistent. And also, our defence hasn't been collapsing with Liverpool's as been. I mean, Konate came in from Africa and he looked awful. Um, obviously, Laporte, I don't know why he's been starting over John Stones this season, but he dropped an absolute disaster class in that first half versus Palace and also got set off. Yeah. yeah. Whereas with Chelsea, there's not been those same lapses in concentration or poor performance. But you anymore. don't think that the system is the main culprit in Chelsea looking that good? If you put Rudiger Christensen in a two... Silva Christensen in a two. If you made Alonso play fullback instead of wing back, I mean, maybe it would be up to Mendy. Like, how many saves can you make in a game? But mm. I don't think Chelsea would look as good if you put them in a four. And from my understanding or my perspective, a back four is how you really test how good you are at your position. If you're a center back, how good is that partnership? Not how good is that trio. If you're a fullback, how good are you without the center back being that little bit closer to you to help? There's less space for you to defend when there's five of you. So you can look at Liverpool and City and think, ah, the defense aren't that great. But what they don't get from their solid defense and goalkeeper, they can make up because they have an extra guy forward. Now, Chelsea make up those numbers with the wingbacks. But like, are you really banking on Alonso, Chilwell, James to get... 10 goals apiece. Mm. So look, I, I, I understand completely what you're saying. And again, I do get it. Going to a back three, again, it doesn't, it's not, it's not necessarily a full, like a fail safe way of making yourself better defensively, but it is a common tactic that managers use to I mean, it works. Things, and it Ollie, helps. It does work. You know. I mean, it's something that I was calling for last season with Lampard. I mean, I was actually pleading with this guy to go to a back three and save his job. Now, if you didn't want to listen to No, you to don't him, actually know him. Like, you weren't really pleading with him. How do you know that? I don't know, for example. I was screaming on the TL for him to do it. <laughs> I mean, I was also screaming in his DMs. Now, whether he replied or not is a different story, but... Is, is, he, on, is he on uh, Instagram? Yeah, he's on... Well, I mean, it could be a burner, but yeah. Mm. Um, I think he's there. But anyways, look, the, the point I'm trying to make is, is that we could have went to back three even last season. It would have solidified things a bit. And yes, I understand that back three. That certainly these players that we have now, Rudiger, Christensen, Thiago Silva, especially, they suit a back three. But it's a manager's job to get the best out of his team. Again, this is a point that we've also discussed before. The back three suits a lot of our defensive players. You look at some of our attacking players, you look at someone like a Mason Mark, for example, his best position isn't actually there in a back in a free at the back system because he's for me is best as a number eight. Callum Hudson is best as a left winger. Now in the free in the system that we play, he plays more like a left forward, so he's playing a bit more inside. He can kind of do what he likes, but not exactly like he would if he was in a 4-3-3, which would suit him a bit more. And obviously the list goes on. So yes, I don't feel like a back three gets the best out of some of our attacking players, but I feel like it does a very good job of getting Chelsea to play the way that 
I like Chelsea to play, which is being able to dominate games and be in control. So if we're consistently keeping clean sheets, managing games, and obviously on the odd chance, we don't have to rely on men to make great saves like we did versus Brentford. I'll take that. And I'll take that happily over scoring five goals against Man United one week and enduring at home to Brighton because Chelsea haven't done that this season. I'll only drop points, should I say, I've been against Man City and Liverpool down to 10 men. Other than that, we've been flawless. And that was our Achilles heel last season where we dropped a lot of points in the smaller games. Banjo Kazooie asks, why are people ignoring the fact Chelsea have not beaten a good team yet this year? Would you agree with that assessment? It's an interesting point. But at the same time, would I be worried listening to that stat? Not really, because if you look at since Tuchel's coming in February, our record in big games is phenomenal. Um, I think the only game that we lost last season was in the FA Cup final against Leicester, which we dominated. Um, if you look at our games generally, I and mean, this is my thing with Tuchel, maybe we may come on to it, maybe in a comparison with Tuchel and Conte later, there's a question about that. But with Tuchel, yes, you can make the case that it's not as pretty as other managers in the system. But compared to a Conte, when he was our manager, we weren't a very dominant team. We played three at the back, so again, a similar shape, but we didn't press from the front. We didn't dominate games of possession. At times, you would have to, again, like you called, coined it at the start of the, start of the podcast. It was sufferable. Like, we actually had to suffer watching Chelsea play. Like, I remember a game against Man City away from home where we lost 1 0. That was it's the crazy. worst performance I've ever, like, not just, that was the worst feeling that a Chelsea game ever gave me. Because bear in mind, we went to Man City the season after under Sarri and lost 6 0. And that was bad to me. But the 1 0, we didn't even look like being they able didn't to try. lay a glove on them. They didn't try. Yeah, I mean, there was try. a moment where it's the 81st minute. Again, we're 1 0 down. One nil William down. just didn't even try. <laughs> I mean, there's actually this, there was this gift that was Fabregas, going on. Fabregas, William, was it? Fabregas. It was Fabregas with David Silva on the ball. He's literally standing there. And this is David Silva. Fabregas has played with this guy with the Spain team. Like, these guys are on a similar level of the football IQ sense and ability. And if everybody else just looked defeated, or couldn't even get near him, he's just like, I'm not even going to press you because I know you're going to pass ring, you're going to pass rings around me. Like it's mad, and that was what Conte rule was. Whereas as Tuchel, again, we went there to the Etihad last season. I mean, be, I mean, beat them. Generally, under Tuchel in big games, we've been we've been fantastic and we performed. Now this season, to the point about the question, we did lose to Man City, lost against Juventus, drew against Liverpool. I think those are the three big games that we played. So we're not counting Arsenal and Tottenham. Okay, cool. London's blue. I feel like we still are good, are going to be able to perform and get results in big games. And I feel like I'm confident in the Man United game coming up in November that we're going to get a result there. And Leicester, the likes of West Ham, we're going to perform in those games. My biggest issue this season was where we're going to be consistent, where we were going to be consistent against the smaller team. That's what Lukaku's meant to help with. And again, why, just to end on this point, why I'm so confident about how this team is performing is, like you said, we've not really fully clicked into in the first game. Our attackers aren't really performing that well. Lukaku, he has gone seven games without a goal, and obviously he's injured right now. Yeah, we sit top of the Premier League with a three-point gap on Liverpool. So things can't be that bad. Um, Quamina says, so now that Mourinho wasn't the problem at Spurs, who's the worst player at Spurs? And when will you guys give David Moisaya his credit? <laughs> Dismantle City... <laughs> Uh, in their Carabao Cup game, West Ham are looking good. So you mentioned West Ham. Was Mourinho an issue at Spurs? Yes. Was he the problem? See, that's it. He was an issue. He wasn't the issue. Who's the worst player at Spurs? Right now, relative to what people think they should be doing, it's Harry Kane. 100%. The actual worst player, 
mean... I'll say that for you. That's Eric Dyer. He's pants, bro. <laughs> He's licking a living. Honestly, one of the worst centre backs in Premier League history. Comfortably. All right, cool. Um, and when will we give David Boyce his credit? West Ham are looking good. I always thought it was a bit harsh the way that he left Manchester United because that was it was right after they won the league. I don't think at that point Manchester United fans had a proper appreciation for what Sir Alex Ferguson was doing. You remove seven, eight, nine years down the line and you can look back and say Sir Alex was actually working devil's magic, no pun intended, with that team and those players to where any expectation that was placed on the next guy would have been vastly unrealistic because he's not going to be as good as Ferguson. I thought at the time it was a bit harsh that he left because I kind of understood that, like, bro, it's not he's not that. Ferguson is top two, not two, especially if we're talking British football. So going to, I think he went to Sociedad, and that wasn't great. There was another stop in there. Sociedad, Sunderland. Sunderland. And also, and... just to reiterate, bro, Sunderland, he was one of the worst managers in Sunderland. Oh, yeah, he was, he was. But Sunderland is a poorly run football club. So he just went into a bad situation. Um, and yeah, he went to West Ham, got sacked, and then they brought him back, right? Kind of similar to his Everton spell. If you give somebody enough time and they're talented enough, his level seems to be I can be one of the fifth to kind of eighth best clubs. I can give you that. I'm not going to ever be top four challenging for a league, but if you want somebody who's going to be comfortably in the top half of the table, if you give me enough time, I can kind of do that for you. The United thing was asking a bit too much. Going to Spain might be a bit too much, but and Sunderland's clearly asking too much. What league are they in now? Are they in the fourth or third tier? Where are they? I think League 2 right now, Sunderland. Yeah, it's not good. Spare a thought for them that at Newcastle have money. But he's just a a really good British manager. Who are the guys? Like Pardue and... Brendan Rodgers. Oh, wait, you're talking about the bad ones? No, 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 no. I mean like the bad ones that always get jobs for some reason. So like Alan Pardue gets a job. Tony Pulis will always get a job. Sam Allardyce. Sam Allardyce has his merits in some ways. Um, Neil Warnock, the most Mark games Hughes always that. gets jobs for whatever reason. You know, th- you know those guys that always get hired. And you're like, why does he keep getting a job? Like David Moyes is the best of them. Adnan says Liverpool fans joke about Matip being our best dribbler. Which center back do you think can dribble the best? I think he means in the world. By the way, did you see Ramos? These I don't know if these are real reports. That Ramos is going to be released by PSG. I don't know if that's true, but um, uh, the best dribbling center back in the world is probably somebody that we don't know. I have somebody that we do know. It better not be a Chelsea player, but go ahead. I mean, that's that's not really fair, is it? (laughs) Say the name. Say the name. (laughs) Antonio Rudiger, bro. Stop it. Come on. All right, look. (laughs) All I'm going to say is he's. He does one random roulette last year sometime, and okay. Okay, so if we're talking about like dribbling technique and skill, you know, maybe you can go another direction. But in terms of driving the ball out, oh, I know back, who this. It must be like David Alaba. If we're like, talking centre back, centre back, he's he's a hybrid because he's he's naturally he's a centre back. Yeah, um, but he's not a natural Mar- centre back. Marquinhos, he's a pretty good. I mean, he's a good technician. I don't he know if he's a great decent. dribbler. I think obviously in terms of like recent memory, David Luiz is obviously a really good one at driving from the back. Dare dare we say Maguire? Passes. 
is Maguire a good dribbler or can he just carry the ball? No, that's Cap. He just carries the ball. He lifts yeah, his head. He carries like the he's ball, doing but he's not which a he's not. dribbler. That's something that's coached out of you. Like to be a fantastic dribbler plus a center back, you wouldn't make it to that level if you were trying to do Ronaldinho skills in that position. Like you'd be weeded yeah. out or moved to a different position. So do you remember, I would like um, to know what Liverpool fans mean by Matip is the best dribbler. In what context? Well, I would say Matip is a very good dribbler for a centre-back. Again, he's quite languid, or I would say long-legged in his style, so it doesn't always look... looks a bit clumsy. But, like, having watched him quite a bit, and I feel like he is actually quite underrated. Like, he is good at carrying the ball from the back and, like, moving into midfield and then actually picking a pretty decent pass. Like, my criticism with Maguire is that, yeah, he's pretty good at driving from the back. Like, he steps into midfield with the ball, but he doesn't actually pick out great passes when he's there. Matip's pretty good at, at transitioning the ball from the back. But, um, yeah, like you said, there aren't many centre-backs that have that in their game, especially in the modern era, because it's all about pressing, it's all about playing to a system, structure, and all of that good stuff. So, Is Conte the right fit for Spurs if they appoint him? Would there not be unfair amount of pressure to deliver right now instead of Spurs building for the longer term? I think I read that right. It's not the right there, but, you know, we'll get over it. Is Conte the right fit? I think we've decided, like, actually, the correct answer is maybe. Because if he can win you something, it's the same argument you would have with Mourinho. As I said, they're basically the same guy. If he can win you something, then whatever happens in the meantime and the two years afterwards, once the club has been decimated, you can still enjoy an FA Cup or a UEFA Conference League or whatever the case may be. Um, So it's entirely dependent on if he can win you something. And he claims to be a serial winner. So if he can continue that, has he been to a club where where he hasn't won anything? Since Juventus, I don't think so. No. Um, so Juve, he won. Chelsea, he won. Inter, he won. I don't think he won anything with Italy, but that's not club football, so we can skip over that one. Tottenham would be the first time in a while that he didn't win something, but same for <laughs> our guy Jose. So we'll see. So I think it's it's dependent. That was the last question, so we thank you for that one. You know what I would say? Obviously, I mentioned Graham Potter earlier in the show was a, would be a better fit. Um, but another former Chelsea manager who I'm glad isn't joining Spurs is Maurizio Sarri. And I feel like his style of football would get more out of this Tottenham team and is obviously more to the, to the liking of the Tottenham fans. Because when I look at Conte, again, and what they're building, maybe he's a good short-term fix. And again, it depends how you want to look at it. Because could you squeeze the last bit of juice out of the likes of Harry Kane, Son... Loris, maybe Deli Ali, but mm. I mean that's a different story with Deli Ali. But um, Stinky. very. I mean the Ruben, <laughs> the Ruben, the Ruben Loftus Cheek comparisons are looking real muddied right now. But um, is there something to squeeze out of those players, perhaps, and maybe context the guy to do that? But I thought what they need is somebody who's going to maybe build a solid foundation for the long term. I mean, you blood in different kind of players, and I feel like maybe someone like a story would have done that. But um. Yeah, they've gone in this direction of going for like the kind of tried and tested and proven manager at the top level. But one concern I do have for Conte is he kind of has an appetite for winning and being in a team where he can win more weeks than not. And like being at Tottenham, he has to almost accept that you're going to lose twice a month, give or take. And I don't know if he has the temperament to manage that 
and then mm. keep his feelings in check because then he might lash out on the players or talk the board talk rough to the whatever. boards yeah. and that's gonna obviously end bad. I mean we've seen that happen with Mourinho and maybe it's happened with Nuno as well. He's only gone off for 17 games so it'll be an interesting soap opera to watch from afar. So um yeah I'm happy. I mean look man if you want to suffer you can suffer like um I don't think there was any big news from Germany in Italy there wasn't ah uh, well Milan beat Roma so oh, there was that, was that. disappointing for me Tammy Abraham um, did not show up but I wanted him. I saw someone one of the Roma journalists I had to translate the tweet something to the effect of Abraham only has two goals in 11 games so far for 40 million that's not what we would want I would love to know his goals per 90 minutes I didn't look that up before we started but I probably should have I think goals per appearance is a it's a rough stat goals per 90 is a better signifier so mm. so we'll have to look at that Mourinho gave one of his I prefer not to speak post-match press conferences he is a, I mean he's only been there two months and he's already calling players bad and one like when he lost 5-0 <laughs> no to that to that um to that like people generated team name oh are, oh like, the, the the one with the slash Brit Blixed yeah, name? it has like that Danish kind of writing. I like I, mm. I don't know their name. They might not even be Danish. But nobody lost to you, a bunch of farmers. You said that the whole second team were terrible. Like these are not good players, and these are players that actually were pretty good for Roma last He season. did that at Manchester United as well, where he was like, People want to know why such and such name doesn't play. Now you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now you know. But the thing is he at least waited a year before doing that. Now he's doing it after two months. Like, bro, bro Jose, you gotta chill, man. You gotta chill. <laughs> the Roma fans don't play. Do you, do you know what? Oh. Okay. What, what happened with Mourinho, at first he could take bullets because his reputation was never in question, especially once he got to Chelsea. You win the Champions League and the UEFA uh, Europa League, or was it the UEFA Cup at that time, with uh, Porto. So you go to Chelsea, you immediately win two back-to-back League Cup. His reputation was never in question. Then he goes mm. to Inter, wins a treble, goes to Real Madrid, wins the league. Even the, the second term at Chelsea, up until a point, he wins the, the, the title in his second season. So 2015, that 2015-16 season, that run of bad games that eventually got him sacked, that was the first time his reputation as a manager was in question. And since then, he's I think he's been more willing to throw players under the bus to save his reputation than to just say, that was my fault, I messed up. Because once you do that, it then confirms that are you as good as you as you claim to be or as people think you are? See, now that's something that Lampard struggled with in his season or two seasons because he wasn't willing to give any ground that I might have made a mistake because he felt insecure in having the position in the first place. But Mourinho's now in that place of insecurity, I think, where I can't really say it was me. Because if I say it's me, then what does that look like? Because I don't have the undergirding of all these trophies in recent memories. So he's more likely to throw his players under the bus. No pun intended, because he parks them. But um, France, oh, damn, man. I think we might have time, just slightly. I told you guys about France. I told you guys about Messi. I told you what this was going to be. And every week is just confirmation. Now Messi's coming out with quotes that... French league is more physical. It takes time. Woo woo. I was like, I told you. He's going up against Dembele, Traore, Sizoko, Sar. Do you know how many Dembele's and Traore's and Sizoko's and 
Sembenes and <laughs> Musas. <laughs> <laughs> there are in league. Huh? I, I knew it. I just knew it. I knew he was going to struggle. Now, I caveat this by saying, if Messi had started his career with PSG, he would have he would roast the league. But moving to a different league when you're 35, I think he's 35. That's tough. And that he thinks this is more physical than like Copa America, because you would think, ah, you should be able to deal with physical football. You can play in South America. So how much more physical could French football be than South American football? Seems that there's what a little I would bit to cope is- with. I mean, I think it's certainly an adaptation that he has to make to the league because it's different. And I think while Copa America is very physical, I feel like there's better athletes in Liga. Again, you're talking about the Triores, the Sissokos, the Mendys, etc. These guys are. I forgot about big. Mendy. I forgot about Mendy. Mendy. <laughs> That's like Smith or Johnson or Williams. <laughs> but these are these are big, big men. Like these are physical people that like. They're not gonna. They're not gonna let you run past them, like. And then if you Diop, do that little Diop is another one. Yeah. <laughs> Messi, yes, he obviously a trademark jink inside, like. But he's lost a yard of pace on his prime. He's absolute prime. He's absolute peak. Maybe even two yards of pace. And in the league on, like, they will catch you. They will catch you up, and they'll get that foul. They'll, they'll tackle you. Yep. Maybe they'll even get the ball clean. So it's not as easy. So. Again, not to mention he's being tackled by fans. I don't know if you saw that last week, but yeah, I did. I I mentioned it. So if you got to go against the team plus their fans. It's gonna be tough. They were um, counterattack as well, you know. Right. <laughs> uh, Marseille, like was... their Marseille fans are crazy, but they're different. And also on um, Marseille, the yeah, Dimitri yeah. having an excellent season. Yeah, excellent, excellent season. Turning back, turning back the the clock. There was one more thing. Sergio Aguero. This is mm. this sucks. I think he had COVID earlier, and as we know, COVID has long affecting COVID has potential consequences on your heart. And I don't know if that's the cause or maybe he's had this since he was a kid and this is just something that's happened now, but they I forgot who they were playing. Might've been Alaves, but don't quote me. And he had to be taken off because he was complaining. Say again. He was Alaves. Yeah. Um, he was complaining about, you know, tightness in his chest. So they took him off and I think it came out today that he's going to be out for the next three months. So I guess the doctors don't want to take a chance. And we've seen what's happened with Christian Eriksen and others. You know, you don't really play games with your heart. They Barcelona need a striker badly. You know, Braithwaite is probably their best striker at the moment. <laughs> Memphis started out pretty good. And I don't know where he is. He's, he's just, he's all right. So it would have been great for them to have a player like Aguero, but you don't play games with that. I hope it's not COVID related or anything like that. Me and my on the couch doctor brain, that's where it goes first. So I just, I hope, I hope Sergio's all right. I hope he doesn't coerce perhaps into playing. Like if this is it, this is it. You've had a decent career. Barcelona aren't winning the Champions League or anything this year. So it's not like you got to come back for a particular reason. So enjoy your family, enjoy your money if it has to come to that. But hopefully it doesn't and everything's everything. The stressing thing to see on a football pitch because I think he had a physical collision and he was holding his chest area and I've obviously seen quite a bit of discomfort. So it's, yes, yeah, I think it's a common, oh, it's a very unwanted, but it's becoming a bit of a common thing that we're seeing these things with players that are having heart issues, quite a lot on the pitch. 
that we've seen, obviously, with Fabrice Nwambo famously back in the day, obviously, recently, Ericsson at the last Euros, Aguero. Remember, there's a player in the Mexican league, I believe, who had a similar incident. Like, and again, I wonder if it's maybe to do with the amount that they're training these days. Again, with Aguero, it's a bit different because he's not been playing as much recently. Mm. But obviously, it's something to be looked at because you don't want it to be a case where somebody ends up dying on the football pitch. Again, maybe then they will look closely. And, and you don't want to have to come to that before they look closely at what's happening. But I feel like we've had only almost too many cases to this point that we can't look a little bit more closely at the matter. So obviously, again, like you said, I echo everything that you said with Aguero. Obviously, our world wishes go out to him and his family at this time. It's not obviously an easy thing. See, remember, I can't get the picture out of my head of Everton's wife, I believe, or fiance. Again, absolutely terrible from the the broadcaster showing her at that time. But the fact that she had to witness Ericsson on the pitch go down like that. I hope for any close friend or family member of a player, when they just go down like that randomly at that time, it must be very distressing to watch. That's like somebody that you know and you actually can't help them at that point. So again, we wish them, we wish him well. And obviously we hope that at some point maybe the governing board will be able to get an idea of what's going on because it doesn't happen in, very often in other sports, like from what I'm a gather. Like, basketball, it happens it happens enough in basketball, I think. It see it's it that something like that wouldn't happen in like golf or some sport where it's you know you're walking and it's this and that. Like, that's that's very rare. But Football's constant moving. Basketball's constant moving. Boxing is constant moving. So it's sports like that where the likelihood of, you know, arrhythmia and things like that, um, it goes up. So there was an MMA fighter who recently had like heart issues and had to pull out of a fight. Um, mm. But again, I haven't followed MMA for a good 10, 15 years now. That it's something that really happens as well. But obviously, with football, it happens quite a bit more quite a bit more often but then again football is a bigger sport than MMA so it's obviously True. there's a, larger, a lot more yes yeah. there's a lot more hearts <laughs> and everybody's heart is different I think so you only got um, one so you got to protect it man at all costs hopefully it grows all right and you know we'll, we'll keep tabs thanks again for filling in bro yeah no problem bro it's always a pleasure like I say to come on the show I've been a big fan of the pod for, for years at this point now it's been a long time man yeah. so yeah um, yeah, man, it's always good to talk. So, where can people find you online, man? Find me at forward underscore 100 for all things concerning Chelsea, our team, our great team, DT. That's in the <laughs> top of the league. Sure, 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 <laughs> that's, sure, playing, sure. that's playing, that's um, playing, um, considered controlling football, possessive, maybe not the most exciting, but considered controlling football. Okay, it is, it's definitely that. I mean, when you listen to Tuchel and what he talks about with the team, it's, it's very, um, uh-huh. I just get possessive vibes from him in general. It's um, cool. It's cool. I saw him today. He was like, you know, I got sacked at Christmas and it was sad. So I'm happy to be here. You know, mm. he has his moments, but never forget. He wanted to keep playing the Istanbul Basakshir PSG game. I never mean, I forget. Think... <laughs> never forget. Like, I didn't forget, bro. Like, you you, you might have thought I forgot, Thomas, because you won Champions League and this and that. But no, no, no. I didn't forget. I mean, I'll just say, Demobard interviewed the other day, or not the other day, I think a few weeks after, it's about when, when I see Tuchel, he'll hear from me. <laughs> like, I, wonder, <laughs> has the cl- I wonder, has the club invited Demobard back to a game since then, like since Tuchel's been manager? Like, that is interesting. Like, have they actually had a face-to-face since? Like, that would be kind of interesting to see, because, yeah, like, your, like yourself, obviously, that was one of my, like, I won't lie, I, I was on record saying that I want Hassan Tuchel to take over from Lampard, and obviously I got a lot of flack for that at the time. 
And I knew Tuchel was available, but I was like, in the back of my mind, it was obviously this whole incident, which made me feel like, I don't really want Tuchel here. But then now Tuchel's here, like he's also kind of a good fit in a sense. I won't even go into why he's a good fit for Chelsea. <laughs> you understand. I think the viewers understand what I'm trying to say. Round peg, but, round hole. Yeah. Yes. Um... It is what it is, though. I mean, yeah. Obviously, I may be a bit more, a bit more um, ingrained in this, like with Chelsea, maybe more infatuated with it. Chelsea's a better word for it. So yeah, they can kind of win over my love with Champions Leagues and whatnot a bit more, but I don't forget the uh, the bullshit that's that this club brings. brings. So yeah, you can follow us online. Talking tactics on Twitter is the main one. If you want to, throw something in the collection plate. We got a Patreon, so you can check that out in the bottom. If you're on Apple Podcast, subscribe. It's free. Leave us a five-star review real on the show. If you're on Spotify, follow us over there. Mm. So, yeah, we'll see you guys next week. Talking Texas Podcast, sometimes funny, sometimes serious. Always football. Indeed. Peace, peace, peace. Sports Social Podcast Network.